Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. I know more people right now with COVID than at any other point in the pandemic, but at the same time, two years into this thing, it seems harder than ever to get a test. You know, I've had public health experts tell me that until everybody can do a rapid test every day, (laughs) we're we're not going to go back to normal. Today, why it still feels so damn hard to get a COVID test and what one community organization in San Rafael is doing to help its hardest hit residents. There are a number of different things happening when it comes to the testing shortages. This is Kristen Huang, a health reporter for CalMatters. Previously in the pandemic, we've certainly had shortages of, of reagents or the nasal swabs and things like that. Um, but for the PCR tests, it's really a, a shortage of, of appointments and sort of capacity to accommodate this surge in demand that's coming with Omicron and post-holiday gatherings. And then for the antigen tests, what we're seeing is that pharmacy shelves are empty. I know for a while I was going to CVS and and they limit the number of antigen tests that you can buy to two per customer. Um, But from what I've seen and heard recently, there's none on the shelves anymore. I'm curious if we have any hard numbers on this problem on testing right now, or is it hard to pin down? The numbers are really hard to pin down. Shortage numbers are very hard to pin down because you have it coming from all of these different sources. We have our official government tests and people are required to report results, but um, not necessarily required to report, you know, how many hours in in line people are waiting or how many people are unable to get appointments. Um, And then on top of that, you also have, you know, the -the over-the-counter tests are, are not tests that are report, the results aren't reported to the government. So there really is no centralized database for knowing, you know, how high the demand is. 
I mean, why wasn't our public health system ready for this surge in the demand for testing? I feel like we, we know from last winter that people gather inside, especially during the holidays. Is it fair to say that we were all just like surprised by Omicron? I think that Omicron was um, predictable, at least to certain populations. You know, when, when talking with virologists and immunologists and people who study these kinds of diseases, you know, they knew that another variant was, it was only a matter of time. But I do think that as far as general public goes, over the summer, there was sort of this collective like sigh of relief, like, oh, we're almost getting back to normal. Yeah. And so demand for testing dropped a lot. And that's when you saw a lot of testing centers close or, you know, convert the resources to something else, uh, because there are a lot of other you know, health issues that have sort of fallen by the wayside in the midst of the pandemic. Mm. And so when Omicron did come, and we know that it, it spreads a lot more quickly, it's kind of returning to that cycle of having to re-ramp up our resources, um, which unfortunately, um, in a lot of aspects, we haven't been able to keep up sort of in real time with the sort of supply and demand. I live in Solano County, and I definitely have not had like one reliable place that I've continued to go to throughout the pandemic to get tested. If I feel like it's kind of been this moving target this whole time with like sites will pop up and then they'll go away and then another one will come up and then it'll go away. How big of a problem is just finding a test that's convenient for you right now? Yeah, I, I think that definitely it is a problem and it sort of speaks to long-term infrastructure challenges that we have in public health in the state. A criticism during the pandemic is that currently it's profitable to do COVID testing. And so you have a lot of these like pop-up clinics and sites offering testing, but they only do it as long as there's demand and as long as it's profitable. Whereas our sort of long-term public health infrastructure has for the past, you know, couple of decades really been underinvested in. I think 11 public health laboratories have closed in the past 10 or 11 years, something like that. Um, and so we have far less testing capacity now than we did in like 1950 with much more population. And so the state, you know, has tried to to work on that. We've the state built a new lab down in Southern California to help ramp up testing capacity and particularly to meet the needs of underserved communities. Um, but that's kind of just one laboratory. There's been this shift in reliance from public resources for testing to relying on private resources for testing. Um, and this shift to having people test through their own health insurance and their own medical provider. But if you don't have health insurance, or even if it's inconvenient, like I personally have Kaiser health insurance, but it's a lot easier for me because I live so close to the University of uh, UC Davis. It's a lot easier for me to just go to campus. Um, and I'm lucky in that way that because they test students regularly, that that test site continues to exist. Um, it's way easier for me to just walk up or make a quick appointment there versus sort of 
you know, calling the doctor's office, making the appointment, going through insurance and doing all of that. Um, and even as I was trying to, you know, sort of prep for this conversation and, and go through the test, um, the state testing website, you know, it asks you all of this information. It's a pretty long form. It asks you all of this information about your, um, you know, your insurance and past vaccination status and things like that. So it's really not as easy as you would hope. So I took a test last week and I stood there for one and a half hours just waiting to register, then take my test and then get my rapid results. And I was just like watching people fall out of line because they just simply did not have the time to wait for any of this on like a weekday afternoon. Like, how do you think all these problems that are affecting, how do you think all these problems around accessibility and um, the amount of tests or the shortage of tests um, are affecting people who just like simply can't accommodate these long lines and these shortages? I mean, I think it it only prolongs the way in which, you know, we're currently living in the pandemic because, you know, even at the beginning when it's like jobs that were that that had to remain in person in person tended to be, you know, lower paid jobs. Um, so people in the lower socioeconomic class were the ones that were required to test more frequently. And those also tend to be jobs where like your employer is not necessarily as understanding. And and you see that, you know, with these long lines now, even with a job myself that's remote, I can't imagine telling my editor like, hey, I'm going to be offline for two hours because I have to get a COVID test. And so, you know, people are just kind of foregoing this. You know, it might be mandated by their employer, but it really is taking a chunk out of their their working time and day. And um, especially with delayed results, you know, you kind of, until you get those results, you live in this space of, am I infectious or am I not? And unless you're doing a full lockdown quarantine, which would also eat into days that you can work, if you happen to be asymptomatic or have a mild case or something like that, then then you are potentially infecting other people and it's just continuing to spread. Yeah. So, I mean, what what is it going to take to make testing more widely available to people? It'll take probably a few weeks, but certainly you know, these commercial and medical center sites, they they will be able to ramp up their capacity because we've done it in the past. Um, it's just unfortunate, you know, that we don't have the resources to stay sustained at max capacity <laughs> the entire time. But, you know, it will get better. Uh, you know, we're not really hearing of shortages of reagents and things like that anymore. Um, so it's just a matter of allowing these sort of laboratories to the time that they need to re-ramp up capacity. On the rapid antigen test side, that has been a little bit of a failure of the United States in general. You know, the federal government has committed to making these tests cheaper and more widely accessible, but so far that hasn't really materialized. Um, And that is one of sort of the main lines of defense that other countries like in Europe have, have been able to use you know, you know, I've had public health experts tell me that until everybody can do a rapid test every day, <laughs> we're not we're not going to go back to normal. So, you know, it's it's a little bit of a waiting game. Well, Kristen, thank you so much. 
Of course, thank you for having me. As we just talked about, we know tests are feeling real hard to come by these days, but there are local community orgs that have been stepping up since the beginning of the pandemic. Coming up, we introduce you to one group in San Rafael that's been providing free testing to one of the hardest hit areas by COVID in Marin County last summer, the canal. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. My name is Yolanda Oviedo, and I am the Senior Project Manager at Canal Alliance. We are in a small uh, neighborhood uh, called the Canal. Uh, The Canal is located in East San Rafael, and it's a very dense population. We have a two-by-two square mile radius and have a population of about, I want to say, 16,000 people, mainly Latino people, mainly people from Guatemala. We provide a variety of services, uh, behavioral health services. We offer immigration, uh, legal services. The COVID-19 response was something that we just weren't planning to do, but we had to step in as, as needed. How long have you been providing free testing in the community? Our first official um, launch was back in um, March of 2021 through a partnership with UCSF and UC Merced. We were able to get some funding um, to provide uh, easy access to uh, testing for our community. Um, And so we provide rapid testing that will allow the community uh, members to receive their tests immediately within 15 to 30 minutes. They are able to receive the results immediately, which means that they're able to quarantine sooner, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and minimize the spread. Throughout the pandemic, since you've started providing COVID testing, what has like a normal day typically look like in terms of like how many people are showing up and what the need has been? We go through waves. On an average day where there isn't a huge peak, um, we usually test about 30 to 40 people, which is still a pretty high number. On a high peak, just you know, again, I think today we're expecting to have at least 100 people come by today and, and test. During the, the New Year's weekend, the public health department provided home test kits and community volunteer members um, 
uh, volunteer to be here um, during the holidays and stand outside of Canal Lions and they distributed close to 700 kits um, to to members that were that were in need. You know, now it's sort of a day-to-day -day thing, but as you asked me that question and as I sort of reflect on that, I remember the days of when the pandemic first started in, in March 2020 and for May 2020 through August of 2020, the community here had been highly impacted by the pandemic. The Latino population in Marin County is only 16% of the population over entirely of Marin. And during that highest peak, we were holding 80% of the positive cases. Oh my gosh. You know, that was really, really hard. Fast forwarding a year later and us being able to provide results within 15 to 30 minutes, that has been such a huge and significant support for our community. In the kind of larger landscape of help and support for the community, um, what support would exist if Canal Alliance didn't exist, if it wasn't kind of stepping up and providing this resource to the community? Like, what resources, what help is there? We live in a very wealthy county and there's a lot of support. Um, there's a, there are a lot of resources available to a lot of people. However, you know, there's barriers sometimes, whether it's the knowledge of having access to them, not having maybe the, the qualifications or the language barrier. So I feel that if the Canal Alliance, you know, was not here, things would be a lot different. And I also feel that with the pandemic and affecting the community so hard, we were able to sort of be highlighted as, as seen as like how important it is to take care of this community because as the number of cases started going really high from that peak in May and August, I mean, we were holding the highest cases and who are the people that are being affected? These are the people that are working at restaurants, that are taking care of the kids, doing, you know, labor jobs that are exposed to other members of the community. So then I feel in a larger group, people were able to see how important it was to make sure we protected this community because otherwise it was just yeah. going to get worse. Yeah. It sounds like your organization or like the members of the community who are like waving your hands and saying, hey, like we are here and we need we need your help. Your organization seems really important in, in doing that advocacy. So people do pay attention. So the resources do get filtered to, to your community. Yes, yes, absolutely. What's next for you and, and your organization, especially around COVID and, and around testing? Through this partnership that we have uh, with UCSF, we have a contract with them through August of this year and possibly an extension till next year. So we know we're going to be able to provide testing for, you know, another seven months. And so it's exciting to know that we will be able to provide that support. However, after that, we're not sure and we don't know what's going to happen and hopefully we can continue to provide this service that's accessible and easy. But Canal Alliance is an organization that responds to whatever crisis is going on. We don't necessarily, we're not necessarily going to go into the health, the health field now, you know, but we've responded to a crisis and whatever crisis comes next after this, we're going to respond to that. In a perfect world, COVID-19 would go away. I obviously don't want my job to go away, but I kind of do want my job to go away because that COVID would be over, right? Um, but 
again, if, if this continues to be a crisis, Canal Alliance will continue to support that crisis and support the community members. Yolanda, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was great. And um, I, I look forward to listening to the podcast. Thanks to Kristen Huang, a health reporter for Cal Matters, and Yolanda Oviedo, Senior Manager of COVID-19 Response at Canal Alliance. This episode of The Bay was cut and produced by our editor, Alan Montesilio, who also scored this episode, and cut and produced by Christopher Beal. If you like this episode or you know some perplexed person out there feeling that COVID testing struggle right now, please send it to them or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find our show and also helps us continue doing what we do. You can find us on Twitter. We're at The Bay KQED. I'm at Notorious ECG. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. That's it for the show today. Talk to you next time. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.